Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, president of Westminster Effects. Go buy stuff for your guitar at westminstereffects.com and join the discussion in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast lounge on Facebook and make sure you subscribe and comment and review the show. Give us five stars, even if you hate it. I am joined in person by... Hey everybody, Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And via the interweb by... Hey everybody, John Ross here, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, uh, long lost co-host. Uh, long from lost Lincoln, co-host. Nebraska. <laughs> Insert ACDC right here. <laughs> dan, 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 dan. <laughs> Wait, why are we doing that? Oh, oh the back, back in black. Okay. Back in black. Uh, it took back in black, come on. Well, he's not wearing black. Mm-hmm. I am. Yeah, but that's mean, that's just a state black of being and tan. For me. I mean, those black are still pretty good. <laughs> I could go for one of those right now. Yeah, <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time. All right, uh, we have a hard stop, and Bradley might get a phone call here any second, and might have to jump. We're off. all messed up. Today. We're all messed up, uh, which is honestly nothing new. So, shall we just jump into it? Let's do it. All right. So, we, main topic: we got a question from Brian Morris in the Inquisition. So. Have we talked about how Brian Morris has become a term on our bike rides? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you might not want to unpack that one. Yeah. Well, since <laughs> tell him in private first. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there. So since it is tradition for us to answer the first question, basically Brian Morris's name has become synonymous with anything traditional. <laughs> and on our thirty plus mile an hour or not mile per hour, I wish. On our thirty plus mile bike rides, often my dad will need a nature break, as we call it. At a very specific at a spot. very specific spot, and he calls that the Brian Morris spot. So that's um, that's amazing. I you know I can't wait for this Sunday to go to our Brian Morris service. <laughs> really, really get back to the heart of things. <laughs> that's great. Love it. So. From Brian Morris, he asks, assuming they pass all of our other tests, theological and congregational, whatever, should we sing worship songs written by artificial intelligence? And if not, how is the, <laughs> how is it all that different from how for, formulaic the current state of praise and worship is? I was just about to make a crack. Is like, well, I mean, there have been people singing artificial worship songs for a long time. <laughs> we could use a bit of intelligence. Yeah. In, 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 Even if the intelligence is artificial, it. right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know, so I messed around with this a little bit. Um, you know, our, our listeners, you guys know I'm in, I'm in the, the tech field. Um, you know, AI is, it's the hotness. I think that's the only the only way to to put it. Uh, leadership the new big thing, co- right? Leadership from every company is trying to figure out how to add it and integrate it into their their product, their their tools, uh, everything. And in some cases, it's very useful. In some cases, it's just garbage. Um, so a couple of reflections, just uh, kind of off the top. Um, when I was teaching our new members course. A couple terms ago, maybe it was the most recent term. I, I don't quite remember. Um, during one of the sessions, we were talking about uh, the interpretation and in, in the usage of scripture, uh, kind of uh, exegetical analysis, so on and so forth. And I don't have the 
the text of, of what I wrote or, or my notes in front of me, but effectively what I did was I asked AI, chat GPT uh, V3, I believe at that time, to, in two paragraphs, in one paragraph, actually, in one paragraph, tell me the saving news of Jesus. Just, just tell me the good news about Jesus Christ. And it proceeded to give probably the most succinct yet accurate um, dissertation of the Christian the Christian faith that interesting uh, uh, that I've ever read. And so I immediately knew why that was. And a lot of people think artificial intelligence and they think uh, the sort of artificial intelligence we see in science fiction. Mm-hmm. Though there's actually a difference there. So within artificial intelligence, there's two kind of schools. There's AI and then there's machine learning. Um, machine learning allows a, uh, a artificial intelligence or a, a computer algorithm to learn from itself using a value and rewards based system by placing higher subjective value on correct answers as, yep. as feedback is provided from, from the programmer. Um, artificial intelligence is where it attempts to make decisions based upon input. Uh, and I'm by no means an authority here. So if somebody is listening, give me a little bit of grace here. Uh, in science fiction, though, the sort of AIs that they're talking about aren't generative text AIs like we have. They're effectively a uh, anthropomorphic person. Binary sentience. Form of computer, right. Um, You know, in some cases, in in like the realms of deep sci-fi, you have speed super intelligences, Mm -hmm. um, which have a little bit more... Uh, sort of consciousness to them, but I digress on all that. When we take a look at what we have now, not necessarily ML, machine learning, but we look at generative text-based AI, um, specifically OpenAI's ChatGPT. When I gave it that, that prompt, that give me the good news of Jesus Christ in a paragraph, and it, and it spit back exactly what I expected. Not works righteousness, not synergistic soteriology straight up good old-fashioned substitutionary atonement and i didn't give it any of that i haven't i hadn't asked anything else i didn't share oh what what affiliation are you you know i didn't didn't give any of that but open ai regardless of what you ask it is only going to provide back either verbatim or an abstract of what it has been given. Yes. Yep. Right. So in when I, when I was exploring this thought process right after, uh, I think this was right after ChatGPT became uh, public, publicly available. Uh, when I was exploring this, it was like, this is why it's so important to read the scriptures properly, to teach the scriptures properly, to understand the scriptures properly, because... Just like ChatGPT, what you put in is what you get out. Exactly. Right. But to make that point, 
course I had to do, I had to do that little bit of research to really understand how it was working. And to that end, providing what is put in is good and rewarded by saying, Hey, that was, that was a good answer or that was a bad answer. If, uh, if applicable, uh, it will reinforce those specific answer traits mm-hmm. in, in its response. Yep. And to, uh, and to that point, I don't know if you saw that rev amps, I don't remember what they're calling it, but they just put out a pedal and they're calling it the first pedal generated by an artificial intelligence, but it's still based off of a Marshall blues breaker, much like the Edwards overdrive. If you want one, that's not touched by AI, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's still based off of readily available information right. out there in the ether. Right. It's not a creative entity. Correct. It's a generative entity that can generate responses based off of previous input and an amalgamation of that input, which is where, you know, relying on chat GPT for (laughs) evangelism probably isn't great. Right. Um, So, so I think it, it, it then leads to the question of is utilizing an artificial intelligence, basically all it's, all it's doing is curating what is out there is that then appropriate for things like sermon preparation and and uh, worship songs and things of that nature where there is an artistic element? Does does this become plagiarism? Does Is this actually singing a song that's been written? Because I don't know if you can actually say the song was written, the lyrics were written, the lyrics were generated, right? So, right. Br- Bradley, what are your thoughts? We haven't heard from you in a minute. And I don't know if your eyes are glazed over or not. No, I'm pondering. I mean, I yeah. To be honest, I've I've never, I've never even considered this. Right. I mean, I I don't have my head under in the sand. I I know a little bit about what's happening, what's being developed, and what's coming with AI. But I never even th- it, it never even occurred to me that there would be potential for worship songs to be written via AI. Or for there to be some way in which to use AI to to prepare for a sermon, if not generate a sermon for you. Sure. Um, and my concerns are twofold, at least at this point. And this these conclusions have come via just enough thought that you know is encompassed by the amount of time John just spent talking. So. <laughs> take that for what it's worth i mean cody cody doesn't tell me what we're talking about till i sit down and get the microphone in front of me but um most of the time most of the time yeah. <laughs> you know it, the the bible talks about the human heart you know we ha, we ha, and, and when the bible talks about the human heart it's talking about this deep place the inmost part of us and it's in that place whatever that is right you know if somebody wants to call it the soul or or whatever it's in that place um that god does his work in us Mm -hmm. not that he doesn't work circumstantially or that uh in our physical being there aren't ways in which god makes himself known certainly he does but i think the you know the essence 
of what God does in a human being is in that weird, mysterious place we call it, the Bible calls the human heart. Mm-hmm. And it's out of that, the scriptures say, that the issues of life flow. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, right? Mm-hmm. This weird place where everything intersects. And up until this point, at least, I don't know if a worship song has yet been written via AI or if there is some pastor somewhere who's a tech geek that is already using it to help prepare sermons. I don't know. But what I do know is that plagiarism has gone on. And you mm-hmm, mentioned yeah. that, you know, people copy and paste. And, you know, I, I literally heard a pastor one time say, if you got eyes, plagiarize at a conference. <laughs> um, that's so, a bold statement. That's too. a very bold statement. And I know that stuff goes on. I had another pastor tell me uh, that if Stephen Furtick and he named off a couple of real popular guys would preach better, so would I. You know, literally, he's copying these guys' sermons, and that's so mm. sad and tragic to me. Yeah. Um, not to mention the unethical nature of it. In, in, it's so sad and tragic because I think my the people that I pastor, they want to hear a sermon come out of the depths of my soul because I'm wrestling. Mm-hmm. I've I've. I've lived this, or I am trying to live this. I tell my people all the time uh, when I'm teaching, sometimes I have my head around things I see in Scripture, but I don't ha- quite have my life around it. Uh, but I'm at least leaning into that. And there's a there's a human incarnational nature to ministry in both worship and song, and we call it worship in the Word here at Res. I, I think there has to be an incarnational nature to that. We just did a Bible study in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 where the Apostle Paul says to the Thessalonians, my coming to you was not in vain. It was not empty because, and he doesn't point to the number of conversions that happened or the, the, the size of the church that he planted there. He points to his own boldness as evidence that his coming there was fruitful even in the face of shameful treatment in Philippi and much conflict in Thessalonica. What are we reading there? We're reading about a human being who went on a missionary journey and faced opposition and conflict and persecution, and now he's writing about it, and we benefit from that. And and AI is never going to be able to do that, either with a song or with a sermon. Is there a way to use AI in such a way that it doesn't compromise a human being in whom God is working, bringing that depth of soul to whatever creative effort they're engaged in? Is there a way to use AI and not compromise that? Frankly, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just know where humanity tends to go. We tend to push new things to their most destructive extremes. Right, the yep. phone is created to connect people, and what do we do? We push it to its most destructive extreme, and now these these things are deconnecting us because we stare at them all the time. You know, I think you hit on something yeah. worth exploring: is you know the human heart and all that intersection of mind, body, soul, etc. Whereas many of the users and probably developers have effectively boiled down, and this is nothing new, 
have boiled down the human experience to being a machine ourselves. Whether you want to take that back to Nietzsche, Rousseau, whoever you want to. But our culture sees the human body as a machine. If you want these particular outputs, then you give it these particular inputs. Right. If you don't like yeah. the outputs, change the inputs, or you know, just have a surgery and change the machinery involved. Uh, but that's how we see ourselves. So, of course, it, it would follow that the AI would just do the same thing, right? And I think that line of thinking has infected many churches. I think it has, and I think we forget that what Scripture tells about the gospel and about salvation is not that we simply you know, input the message of Christ uh, and that the, the immediate output is guaranteed to be a heart that longs for God. Mm-hmm. Rather, what the Scripture teaches is that God himself has to take out the heart of stone, and the heart that's hard and insensitive to God, and he has to put in the heart of flesh right. so that when the message is preached, faith arises because God has done something in the human heart, in that place that's never going to be recreated by technology. God has done something in that space that has then caused a person to be born again. Right. To come from death to life. And that that's where it, it concerns me that this could be something that makes its way into the church uh, because there, there's a number of, of books being written that have been written that talk about the fact that it's not only information that affects us, but the way it's delivered mm-hmm. also affects us. Uh, there's there's a whole lot being written by, about that right now, and 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 has been written that I think I think we should consider um, with all this stuff. I tend to be a late adopter with stuff too, so I tend to you know s- new things come out. Like when the iPhone came out, I'm like I don't need that, and what's sitting in my lap right now, you know. So. <laughs> That, that's why I do offer some some you know preface to all this disclaimer to all yeah. this that I just don't know like this is kind of got my brain I, on tilt. I mean, obviously a whole bunch of thoughts. I mean the you know the first one is just in general we never want to ignore that no matter how powerful a sermon is or how compelling a song is, the power is in the word. And the yes. spirit moving within it. That said, let's let's abstract this against software development, right? In that case, the powers in, I mean, the the code, I suppose, but the functions, the modules, uh, you know, the actual core syntax that that does the doing, right? Even in the development space. And ask almost any developer this, probably any developer. And if they don't have an opinion, then they haven't used it. Is AI is a great, great tool for a developer, whether you're an infrastructure developer or a software developer, doesn't matter because it can more quickly recall syntax and related functions than you can as a person. It just can. Mm-hmm. It's it's data. It's database is larger. It's 
computational speed is faster, at least for information recall. Uh, at that level of diversity, at least. However, what it can't do is exercise judgment. Yeah, I think this is where the I think this is where the parallels come in. Uh, not not just between software development and uh, uh, and and preaching or songwriting, but any intellectual pursuit is AI in the form that we have it. Probably, certainly not the form that we will, but the form that we do is unable to execute judgment and discern what is right, what is wrong. It's unable to interpret, right? Mm -hmm. So no matter how good something may sound, it is simply a regurgitation. Including, Perhaps. and there have been, I remember when ChatGBT first came out, there were certain things that it wouldn't touch because right. of its programming. So, so whatever value, you know, quote unquote, value judgments it's making, it's not. It's just what's been baked into it already. Right. It's it's an exclusionary list is is what it amounts to, rather than rather than any sense of morality. Right. Um. I mean, I guess there's probably a sermon uh, allegory here about the law being written on our hearts. Um. That could be, you know tied tied to to that as a creative illusion but uh but ultimately um what we have is a very very advanced of clippy from microsoft office in the mid 2000s yeah. <laughs> hey it looks like you're writing a letter would you yeah. like some assistance um huh. i uh, forgot so, about that <laughs> I've got I've got a boxed copy copy on the shelf if you ever want to. I never that. knew what to do with that thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want help. <laughs> it appears you're trying to reject me. You submit? <laughs> <laughs> Resistance is futile. Um, so, so all that to say, I think we're agreed on all counts. There are some pieces where I think. Chat GPT in particular, uh, but generative AI in general can be useful. Mm -hmm. I think it can be useful on trying to explore a different way to phrase something, right? Yep. Uh, trying to find a rhyme or a meter or uh, or something. It understands. You know what I mean by understands. It doesn't, it doesn't conceive of, but it understands within the parameters of what is this meter of verse, what is this rhyme scheme. It, it gets that. Mm -hmm. Using those things as a creative tool is really where I think the genuine power is. Can you yep. write a sermon using it? Have it just write a sermon? Yes. Will it be good? it'll probably sound pretty good, but the next five it writes are going to sound pretty much the same. Yep. Yep. It's similar to, since you, since you called it a tool, it's similar mm -hmm. to guitar pedals, right? You know, yeah. sh shameless plug. Uh, all that is, is a tool, right? And so there are, there are, <laughs> so I can, 
utilized the 2716 Seth Morrison signature distortion in church if I want to make a fool of myself. Unless there, it's a very particular part, you know. Sure. But but if it's you know, in the middle of uh, what did we play this week? Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If I'm <laughs> if I come in during that piano intro, just nailing those chords or whatever, I'm gonna sound like hey, a I'm moron. A, I'm a Petra fan. That could work. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe. <laughs> but but and. Uh, but if I if I'm using it with a metal band, it's going to go over a lot better. So the tools fit certain applications. Chat GPT may maybe maybe you're stuck writing a lot writing a, a song, and you just use that as a tool to help goose the creative juices. Hey, I have this much of a verse, and I'm really looking for a line here, and then maybe you use it, maybe you don't but you're not relying on it to write the entire song. You know. Right. I, I'm just kind of throwing that out there. No, no, you're 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 right. And you know, I think And the, by the way, Bradley did step out and take a phone call. <laughs> yes, for all those wondering. I think the I think there is some divergence uh you know with with that that uh analogy. Uh just just be like maybe if it's like a loop station pedal and someone's previous loop is still on it <laughs> you know, when you get it I'm like yeah well what am I gonna do with this or you buy a Casio keyboard and it has like pre-built in samples and yep yep um or those you know, lame song- drum beats you're right how many songs can I write with lame drum beat 14 or or logic pro loops I mean the list goes on and on right I mean the the tools are there, but there needs to be judgment and creativity executed to make them worth something. Exactly. Um, I have used um, so whenever I record anything, I'm all MIDI drums, so mm-hmm. all electronic. I can do whatever I want with them, and I don't have to get someone in a room with microphones and worrying about acoustics and all that kind of thing. Same. Yep. I I do. I have purchased a couple of packs where it gives you. Here's this riff on the drums. Yep. Here's this fill. Here's this beat, whatever. And I have several times taken some of those and said, how can I improve this? Mm. I hack it to pieces, just like I do with most of my pedal designs, since there are very few original ideas in electronics anymore. Sure. And, and so I, I've taken this drum thing, hacked it to pieces, and said, that's a cool breakdown. <laughs> you know hey there, there's only four beats in a measure i mean right. you, you know, count the four and start over you can only do so much so i think the encouragement brian is that use it as a tool i don't think we need to be afraid to i don't think we need to sit there and we hear a new song and wondering hmm, i wonder if ai had a hand in that because if so lord forbid nah, i don't think we need to be i don't think we need to be that uh I haven't used this line in a while, but artificial intelligence is not the mark of the beast. Right. Nero died a long time ago. You're right. If rocks can declare the glory of the Lord. Then so can silicon chips. Right. Perhaps not of itself, but the existence of the rock. The existence of that rock declares the glory of the Most High. I mean, I am more and more inclined to think that yes the rock actually can like Mm. when the when the heavens declare the glory of god yes it's poetic but 
I mean, the stars are telling you something. That's true. Yeah, they, they are. They are, in a sense, literally saying, "Hey, we didn't do this ourselves." Mm. That's a good shout. So, but, yeah, yeah, I've just been trying to think less materialistically recently. Mm. So. Shall we move on to the Inquisition? Let's do it. This is the Inquisition. You ask us questions, we answer them on the fly. You submit those questions via a weekly post in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Can you hear that backing track at all, John? Nope. Huh. That's sad. It's, it's, oh, Zoom's just filtering it out. Yeah. I know it's there. I yeah, know it sounds that's like. fair. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. But So for those who didn't get the memo, we're using a, uh, a road. Uh, I don't even remember what it's. Roadcaster? I don't know. But... You bought it. The the all the all inclusive recording and mixing thing. So these days it's recorded and then just bounced. Like the, we don't have to do anything. It compresses everything. Blah blah blah. Yeah, blah, you blah. don't you don't have to wait for me. You don't get any, you know our listeners don't get any fun sound effects, but that's okay because those were tiresome. <laughs> <laughs> to go through every episode and say what sound effects do I want to. Mm-hmm. I remember. In the, I remember in the early days, I used to go through and edit out like, all the all coughs, the, the coughs and yeah. the ums and the pauses. And, <laughs> good grief! Mm. Mistakes Ooh. were made, mm. <laughs> but it did sound good. No, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it did sound good. So we'll start off with Austin Dobbs. I don't even know where to go with this question, but he said, "How would you get a guitar player?" on your worship team to learn keys for Sundays if they have zero piano experience, but a general understanding of music theory. You just give them chord charts or sheet music or what? So so effectively... It seems uh, like a very specific... <laughs> it does. But, but I would assume this, this guitarist has expressed some kind of interest, perhaps has expressed some kind of willingness to learn keys and maybe that's maybe that's a need that they have and and mm. and kudos to Austin for not just uh throwing it in a track on Ableton and right oh yeah there's our keys player it's a computer mm-hmm. it's chat gpt by the way <laughs> uh but yeah i mean that's a really interesting question i suppose Assuming, because let's be honest, most piano lines in church music are not terribly difficult. No, I mean there there are like uh, King of Kings, for instance. Uh, yeah. And it's just chords from there for the for the intro. Most mm-hmm. modern keyboards, either natively or through whatever computer interface they're using, can transpose. So if 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 your band needs a keys player, you have someone who's interested. Have them learn the one, the two, the four, the five, and the six of C. Mm-hmm. Right? And take that, because with C, if you stay on the white keys, you're okay. Right? Have yep. them learn those chords in that key and then transpose for everything else. Then they can start to explore because here's my, not hang up really, um, but I've been dabbling 
with keyboards ever since, I mean, ever since I was a kid, but, um, and there's a few songs that I've, I've taught myself like on organ. Uh, I used to sneak into the organ loft back at college and, uh, um, play the pipe organ in the middle of the night. Nice. Um, that's so Lutheran of you. Isn't it though? And it was great. That's, that's like the um, most Lutheran thing you've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> and there's a lot of those. <laughs> but there there is i mean there it was a very fan of the opera vibe you know the, the whole chapel was dark and just uh um the, you know the the stand light on the key on the the organ manuals and that anyways uh but like i still don't know anything but the key like the general chords and the keys of g and c like that's it sure Granted, I haven't spent any effort trying to learn them, but even in those ones that I do know, it still takes me time to think about where my hands are going to go next. It's not like guitar yeah. where it's just like, I know where this is at, let me do it. Um, so I'm always like a fraction of a, you know, a fraction of a beat behind the, <laughs> behind the change. So I, you know, I, I don't, I don't play it, uh, uh, live very often. It's just for, just for kicks. Um, you know, maybe I, a, like, I think that's a reasonable strategy, I suppose. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even a hybrid approach. So we use, do we use main stage right now? I think we, yeah, we do use main, main stage. stage is neat, yeah. Yeah. And so we'll use that for a pad in whatever key that song is that just drones. And then obviously the piano sound on top of that. Now you could conceivably use a pad in that key. And if you really need a keys thing and it's and it's more of a guitarist learning things, there are MIDI controllers for the guitar mm-hmm. that could come in use there if you really need I, a piano. I was thinking the same thing. I have I have a love of MIDI. I don't actually have a Roland GK three. I really want one. Um that's the that's the divided pickup. Um, that's now, that's the Grant, big boy one, right? Well, that's the one that has the separate pickup that goes on your instrument and then goes out to the to the Roland. Uh, I mean, there are, it goes out to the Roland MIDI breakout, and it's. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Um, I've I've GR, used GR I've used I've used. It's not Roland, and I can't remember what company made it, but it was a significantly less expensive one than the Roland that mm-hmm. also worked pretty well. That's a little bit newer than than that. There's some that like I think the lowest cost of entry as far as things currently on the market. Um, the orange uh, had one. Uh, it came in a little like uh, micro pedal, and it was a it was like an interface, but it would it would translate it so you could use it in software. Um, gotcha. I don't remember what it's called anymore. I, we saw it at Summer Nam years ago. Gotcha. Um, well, now that Bradley's was, back, we can okay. stop talking about him. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, keep it simple. Use the tools and strategies that are already available, um, and you know, maybe maybe you are that church that plays piano using a guitar, and that's pretty cool if you are. All right, last question from Eric Hall, and good job getting back for this question, Bradley, because it's a little pastoral, and we've kind of talked about this recently. He says, uh, when it comes to prayer, we don't need to, and I'm. We would say yes and amen. We don't need to decree and declare for God to move. 
However, regarding healing and petitionary prayer, what are we doing when we ask God for healing? Knowing that he is immutable in a sense that he's not going to change his will in terms of the outcome of the healing request in question. That's a really good question. Um, I'll say two things. Uh, We have to understand, I think, fundamentally that prayer is a means by which God accomplishes his intended ends. So there, yep. there should be a sense when we ask for healing, even if we don't, we don't know what God's will is, we don't know the intended outcome, I think there are ways in which we can pray for the sick in terms of asking God for mercy, uh, making our requests known to him yep. uh, for healing uh, and health. And I think there's a right way to think about that in terms of I, I may not know exactly what God intends to do, but it, he certainly has invited me, you know, even commanded me to make my requests known. And as well as there are certain ways in which we, I think we're guaranteed we can pray for the sick, for, for mercy, for peace, for grace, for strength, for endurance. All of those things mm-hmm. are appropriate and biblical for us to pray. So seeing prayer as a means by which God accomplishes his intended ends. When this question comes up, I always go to James 5 as well because James 5 directly addresses praying for the sick. Are there any sick among you? Call for the elders, lay hands on them, and the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. Mm-hmm. I, I, I Personally, I don't see any room to interpret that any other way. At least minimally, it's about healing, physical healing, praying sure. for physical healing. And, and James explains what the prayer of faith is, if you pay attention. He gives Elijah as an example when Elijah prayed for rain, and it rained. And if you go back to 1 Kings 18, um, God told Elijah to pray. She, he said, I'm going to send rain on the earth, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm going to do. And so if God said that, why would... Elijah have to pray because prayer is a means by which God accomplishes his intended ends. And so you've got this famous scene where Elijah puts his head between his knees and he prays and he sends his servant out seven times. No sign of rain until the seventh. I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Go tell the king rain's coming. So I, not everybody would agree with me on this theologically. I think there's room in our, there should be room in our prayer life for hearing a, Praying a, getting a. In other words, God, by the, Romans 8, the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know how to pray as we ought. I think God is a communicating God, and I think that there, there are times in which God might, in his varied and, and multicolored ways of communicating with us, make it known to us, I'm going to do this, ask me for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that w- that could include and does include physical healing, among other things. I want to be led in prayer. You know, James also writes and says, "You you have not because you ask not, and 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 you ask wrongly." <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't want to ask the for the wrong things. You so, know, so I, that's when we pray about how we pray. We ask God we pray to about lead how we us pray. in 
yeah. how we pray. I, I'll give you an example, and, and I, I don't know, this might ruffle some people's feathers, but, oh, man. but my pastor mentor tell, has told me this story, and he's, he did not grow up Pentecostal like I did, okay? Which I've left the Pentecostal movement, but he, he did not grow up like that. He just reads Scripture really well. And he said that he was called to go uh, to visit someone in the hospital from the church he was at that was very, very sick. It was a young child, I think, that had gotten some kind of virus, and it was so bad the kid had literally go- couldn't see, had gone blind. Mm. And so they're called to go pray, he and this other pastor at the church, to go pray. And so on the way to the hospital, one of them, I don't remember, it, it might have been my, my pastor, it, it might have been the other guy that was with him, said, I feel like Jesus is going to heal this kid. I feel like we need to ask for healing. They go in the hospital room. They lay hands on the kid. They pray a very simple, undramatic prayer, non-dramatic prayer, and the kid's sight immediately returns. Mm -hmm. Um, And the virus goes away. Kid's well. They walk out of the hospital room, same hospital visit, and they run in to the wife of another parishioner, um, who is in the hospital dying with cancer. Will you come pray for my husband? And he said, we were like on cloud nine. We're like, hey, let's go two for two here. (laughs) And he said, literally, as they're walking into the hospital room, they felt like the Lord was saying to them, I'm not going to heal him. I'm taking him home. Pray for peace and comfort. Mm -hmm. And... That is helpful to me because I think that's kind of what James is getting at, and I think that we can we can pray with that with the expectation that God is going to lead us in prayer to ask for what He intends because prayer is a means by which He accomplishes those things. Yep. You got anything, John? You know, I even think old old Luther would agree with that. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> uh, in his explanation to the. Uh, the Lord's Prayer in the seg- section of uh, "Give us this day our daily bread." You know, the, what does this mean? You know, the, the Lutheran question uh, says, "God certainly gives us our daily bread, even to the wicked." But we pray that we may acknowledge this and receive it in thanksgiving and in faith. And I think those those thoughts, yours and and that, are are aligned and complementary. I, I would just. I'll say this to end it. It, it, Our listener that asked this question and anyone else who has a question about this, don't take my word for it. Go live in James chapter 5. Read that text. Mm -hmm. Go look at when Peter is called to pray for Dorcas. Right? There's this little moment where he goes into the room where her body is laying there. And it's the only place in the New Testament where a healing occurs that I can find one of the apostles or a believer actually pauses to pray before the miracle. You know, when Paul cast the demon out of the fortune-telling girl, he just turned around and said, come out of her. Right. When Peter and John encounter the lame man at the beautiful gate, they say, you know, rise, get up, Jesus is healing you. Silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. But Peter, in that death chamber, 
with Dorcas, he pauses and prays. And I can't prove it, but I think. Peter paused and he said, Lord, am I here to raise the dead or comfort the grieving? What am I here to do? And I think, I think the Lord communicated to him, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise her. And he did. So I, I just, I think you've either, you've either got to conclude that prayer is a, is a wasted effort. If, if God is sovereign, right? Mm-hmm. Prayer is either a wasted effort because we're not going to, he's immutable. We're not going to change his mind. We don't right. get the words right and decree and declare, and he goes, oh, you know what? You did a good enough job. They I'll did good. I'm going to do one. that for him right there. No, that's <laughs> not, that doesn't make any sense. So it's either that or prayer is actually God's invitation to us to get in on what he's doing and yep. to be a part of what he's doing, to be a vessel through which he accomplishes what he intends to accomplish. And if that's the case, I want an ear that's in a spiritual ear that's in tune with his voice enough that he could lead me, prompt me, nudge me to say, ask me for this. I'm going to make myself known in this way. And I want I want your prayer to be a means by which that comes to pass. I'm all in with that. And so read James 5. Read James 5 and determine what you think James is saying about the prayer of faith and then let that shape your prayer life, um, at least in part. Yep. John gives a thumbs up, so I'll hit the thing. Well, thanks for listening to the Westminster Effects Oxology podcast. And since there's 30 more seconds on this, I don't know how we're going to fill that time because we're normally better at hitting this before we're all out of things to say. So, John, it's good to have you back. Yes. Hey, it's glad to be back. Let's not have it be. I miss your thoughts on things, man. Yes. (laughs) So, love God, love your neighbor, make some music. We'll see you next time. Unless John has something else to say. Okay, thanks, Mike.